Hello and welcome to our Remembrance Sunday Sermon. This week, Pastor Trevor will be leading us in our one-off sermon called Greater Love Has No Man. Good morning. Welcome to the Oak Community Church again. Welcome to our Remembrance Day service. It's quite ironic, really, that it's Remembrance Day. I'm actually recording this a few days before, and it's fireworks night. And at times it sounded like a war zone where we live with the amount of bangs and crashes going off. If you catch any of that in the video, that's what's going on. It's great on this Remembrance Sunday that we're able to tap into various resources and videos. I hope that last video really um, spoke to you and really helped connect some of the realities of war and remembering those who have been lost in war to the story of Jesus. I love the line the man used in that video there where he said, why would a man who demonstrated unconditional love to so many people end his days on a Roman cross? Unconditional love. Today, I want to speak about greater love. Greater love, the greater love that was spoken in those verses a moment ago, those familiar verses, greater love has no man but that he laid down his life for his friends. This concept of love and a greater love is where I want us to be centred on today. When I was growing up, there were um, cartoons that used to appear called Love Is. Uh, some of you will remember them as well, you'll be old enough. And there were these small little cartoons with a, a picture of a man and a woman in sort of a um, pencil drawing, and it would say, Love Is, and then a, a phrase underneath it. You don't really see it much more anymore, but you Google it, you'll find it. I found their website, they've still got these little cartoons going. And these, these cute little ideas, so I've found a few of these. One said, Love Is wishing his head was on your pillow and there's this little picture of the woman there in bed just imagining that uh, the man could be with her another one in the bathroom with all the mess being uh, displayed in the bathroom and it said love is not leaving the bathroom a mess or someone there was a man there or the, the guy in this little cartoon with his flash car said love is loaning her your car our society has a way of describing love and imagining love, which is mostly distorted. It's a kind of a, a fraction of what love is or a slight distortion of love or just a, a pale imitation of what real love is about. Our society projects love as this feeling, this butterfly feeling of, of just being giddy in love. And of course that's a part, but it's not the totality. Much of society intermingles the idea of love with sexual attraction, that passion that drives you. And that's what love is. And that can get, you know, cold after time or maybe someone else will come along. And all those aspects about love are confused. Or love is the way it's expressed in the gifts that someone buys for someone else. Maybe it's the simplistic that love is putting the toilet seat down afterwards. Don't forget that, guys. It always goes down well in the household looking after the toilet seat. The, um, the culture has around us that this love is a feeling that comes and it goes as its temporary thing. But the Bible, the Bible teaches us that actually love is from God. And love is from God because love comes out of the very essence of who God is. The Word of God tells us that God is love. Never mind what love is, God is love and so when we experience love we are experiencing a part of God's character it's an overflow of who he is and that love 
that emanates from God is not some fluffy feeling or some momentary thing that comes and goes. That love of God is solid. It's solid and dependable. It's, it's rock solid, the love of God that we can depend upon. God is, is, is everlasting love. We read about in the word of God that his love knows no bounds. And it can be dependent upon this unconditional love of God. And that love that comes from God, the character of God that exudes love, is, is something that is more than just the way society puts it across. It's, it's deep. It's caring. When we see people caring for one another, we see part of God's love. When we see people giving of themselves, helping others, reaching out to others, helping people out, we are seeing part of God's love. And particularly where we see self-sacrifice, where we see self-sacrifice, the tough bit of love. It's not the glossy bit that appears in the telly, but the tough bit of love that when someone gives themselves sacrificially, we are seeing a part of God. You know, this greatest love that I want us to think about this morning, this greatest love is shown when you lay down your life for someone else. This great love is shown when you lay down your own life for someone else. So let's read this passage which was quoted in the video a moment ago. This passage from John chapter 15. And we're going to be reading this morning from John 15 verses 9 to 17. John 15 is in the midst of what we would think of as the Easter story. It's uh, you know, in the middle of the book of John, but it's actually in the middle of the Easter story. So much of John's uh, gospel is taken up with the week uh, of the passion, the, 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 the road to the cross and Jesus' death and resurrection. In John 15, we are just after the part in the, in the story of the passion where Jesus had the Last Supper. They've, had, they've taken the first communion together. They've shared the bread and the wine. It's after Jesus speaks to Peter and said, Peter, you will deny me three times. Peter says, no, it'll never happen. It's after those moments and before Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Between then are some chapters of Jesus talking. It's his final words. Sometimes people's final words are the most poignant things they want people around them to hear and to know. And this is where Jesus is. And in this John 15 is where Jesus talks about saying, I am the vine, I am the vine and you are the branches. He talks about abide in me, stay in close relationship with me. And Jesus describes that abiding life, what the life looks like when you are abiding in him, when you are the branches and he is the vine and when you are connected to Jesus. He describes those, that life. And he describes that in these verses in John chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. Just have a listen to this passage. Hello everyone, I'm reading today from the New Living Translation, John chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. Jesus is describing in this passage what life looks like when you are close to the Father. He talks about how close he is to the Father, how intimate they are, how connected they are, how interwoven his life and the Father's life are. And he says, I want you to be as connected to the Father as I am. I want us to be one. And he says, you know what? The abiding life, the life that's abiding in him, that is connected to the Father, it looks like love. That's what the life looks like when we are connected to the Father. It looks like love. In the Bible, the word love has a number of uh, Greek words underneath that, but the most consistent one is the love word that's used in this passage that we've just read. It's a, it's a word called agape. Agape. Just look in this passage in John 15. Look at how many times I have loved you. Remain in my love, he says. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my agape and my love. This passage is littered with the word love. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you, the same way I've agaped you. He ends with it saying, this is my command, love each other. The definition for agape uh, that I've uh, found in, in, in theological books is the active love of God for his son and his people. The active love of God for his son and his people. And the active love of his people that they are to have for God and for each other and even enemies. That's quite strong, isn't it? This idea of the love that God has for his son and the love that God has for his people. It's the same love that he calls us to have for him and for our friends and even for our enemies, to love them, to love them. This whole passage that we're looking at this morning has a principle running through it. And it's this principle. When you're laying down your life, you are living in God's love. When you are laying down your life, you're living in God's love. The two go together when the life that you have and the actions that you do and the decisions you make are involved in laying down your life for others. When you are doing that, you are inhabiting God's love. God's character is being poured out onto you and is exuding from you. And the very action of laying down your life is showing the world God's love. The first thing I want to show you is that others have laid down their lives. Others have laid down their lives. Look at this passage, these verses from 9 to 17 and let me just highlight to you some things that are running through that the first thing comes out in this passage is about live in my love that's what Jesus says he says in verse 9 remain in my love when you obey remain in my love he says I want you to live 
in my love. Jesus wants this abiding life that says, I want you to live in my love. That's where I want you to make your home. It's not a visiting place. It's a place where it says, I want you to abide in me, abide in my love, remain in my love. And he tells us how to. He says, remain in my love by obeying. When you obey my commandments. That's how we remain in God's love. We remain in his love by obeying. And the thing that he calls us to obey is to be obedient in our love for others. We remain in God's love by obeying his commandments, the commandment he gives us to love others. And he doesn't make it a mystery how we should love. He said, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. Jesus says, I'm going to set the example of how you should love. He says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life. So we live in God's love by obeying his commandment, his commandment to love others. And we love others by laying down our lives. He says, I've appointed you for this. I've appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. This laying down of lives produces lasting fruit. And as we think on this first point that others have laid down their lives, I want us to take some moments to be thankful. Thankful, not just that others have laid down their lives for us, but that they have produced lasting fruit. This is what Jesus said. He said, you should follow my example. You should lay down your life. And as you do, you've been appointed to go and produce lasting fruit. And you and I have lived under the blessing and the benefit and the privilege of others who have laid down their lives for us and produced fruit. God wants a spirit of thankfulness in us this morning that we are thankful for those who have laid down their lives. And think more broadly than just as we would this morning on Remembrance Sunday. Yes, people have given their lives, but there's more to laying down your life than dying. Sometimes it's a life of sacrifice. Just think about the people who have produced good fruit for you by laying down their lives. Parents. Parents, our parents who sacrificed their time, their effort, their money, their energy, their careers. They laid down their lives to produce lasting fruit your life, my life, the privilege we live in through parents who laid down their lives for us. We're thankful to God for them. People we see laying down their lives, caring for others, producing lasting fruit. I bumped into an old school friend, me and Karen bumped into an old school friend the other day. And uh, we haven't seen him for a number of, number of years. And as we was talking to this friend of ours, we was talking about his wife who'd had a stroke two years ago and is still nowhere near recovered, massively impacted by the stroke. And his life is mainly spent caring for his wife and their children. And why does he do it? Because he loves her. Because he loves her, he's laying down his life caring. You care for people at times, I care for people at times, and we're thankful for those who care, laying down their lives. They are embodying God's love. And yes, on Remembrance Sunday, we're thankful for those who have been in conflict, 
those who have defended the freedoms of a nation, those who have stood against oppression and genocide and injustice, even laying down their lives in death in battle. We're thankful for the freedom that we have today for the lives that have been laid down. But even in our society right now, through this coronavirus, we have seen people laying down their lives and we are so thankful for their sacrifice. Just think about our NHS. Think about our care workers, our nurses, our doctors. Every day, going into hospitals, the very places where we're told not to go, caring for those with coronavirus, or maybe even with coronavirus, just think about the worries that you might have right now of uh, being infected, being impacted, not wanting to get sick, and those people going every day to work, laying their lives on the line. I was speaking to Ronnie in the church, who, as you know, works in the NHS, and man, I was just heartbroken at the, the, the tough environment that all of the nursing staff are going through right now, all the doctors and the nurses right on the front line laying down their lives, being, you know, having to cope with so many changes. Just think of all that we're going through and then add to that having to work in the profession where you're caring for that, stretched thin, under risk of being overrun if the virus isn't kept under control, rapidly changing systems and still keeping going, vastly underpaid, undervalued a lot by our government, I think, but still the resolve that says, I'm gonna keep going because I wanna lay down my life in love for other people. My goodness me, aren't we thankful? Aren't we thankful for that attitude? Many people would have thrown in the towel and said, I can have an easier life somewhere else. I could get paid more elsewhere. I could just avoid this. But no, going in every time, caring. Even health uh, workers, doctors and nurses who have lost their lives due to COVID, caring for others. My goodness me, Lord, we are thankful for them. Our bus drivers, every day, traveling, people around, coming into contact. I remember talking to Darren at the early stages of lockdown and just he was talking to me about the tension that you could feel on the buses as customers were stressed themselves and would they wear a mask and why are they behaving and what happens when the bus is full up and they're not allowed on although there's space. All that stress and being dealing with that. These people going to work every day, putting their lives on the line to keep the country moving. You teachers, man, what a year you've had. Going into schools, everything's in lockdown right now, but no, the schools will carry on. And that's tough. That's tough for teachers who are going into school environments, worried about what they might catch from their children. They are laying their lives down and we are so thankful. What did we experience at the beginning of lockdown when everybody needed something from the shops? We started to realize that our key workers were those who worked in shops. The people that we had ignored before, we saw these are essential to look after us. We are so thankful for these people. And we live in this inheritance that's laid for us. And we need to be thankful. We are privileged. We're privileged. Lord, we thank you for these people. We thank you for those who have gone before, for those who have laid their lives down to give us to give us the comfort that we have, the security we have, the safety we have, the life we have, the culture we have, the nation we have. We remember those people. We honour them. It's a biblical thing to honour people who do those things. I just, I, I know, I'm conscious on Remembrance Sunday that there's, there's, there's a whole complicated thing around conflict and war. 
Should Christians go to war? Should we have gone to war? All these different factors. What I know is that despite the politics, that those who go and put their lives on the line to save other people are embodying the love of God. Strangely, and this might be hard for you to, to accept this, people on all sides of conflict who put themselves in harm's way to protect others, they're laying their lives down. Those actions that where people lay their lives down, they are embodying God's love. When you are laying down your life, you're living in God's love. And we are blessed that people have gone before us, are around us even now, in today's society, laying their lives down. They are living in God's love. They're bringing, you know, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, they are bringing God's kingdom to earth, this demonstration of sacrifice. We are so thankful that others have laid down their lives. Secondly, I want you to see in this passage here, it's not just about the fact that others have laid down their lives, but one person ultimately did. Jesus laid down his life. Jesus said to them, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. I've loved you even as the Father's loved me. He says, I'm going to love you. I've experienced the amazing intimacy of the Trinity, the love of God. And Jesus says, I'm going to show it to you. And he gives them the clue. This is just before he's about to be arrested and be crucified. He prophetically declares there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. It's strange really that Jesus says this about laying your life down for friends. It's just not a, throw, a throwaway phrase because he carries on. He says, you're my friends. If you do what I command, he says, you are my friends. He says, now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father's told me. He is only speaking to some. He's speaking to some. He's not speaking to all. Not all of people who have been around him are friends, but he is speaking in this moment to his closest ones and he calls them friends. He says in verse 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. That truth of the way that Jesus picked his disciples, chose his disciples, went and called them, that truth carries on throughout history. The truth that God calls us, the fact that the truth that God chooses, you should realize he chose you he's speaking to you he says you are my friends and we're not always friends of god we start life as enemies of god we start life as enemies of god romans 5 verses 6 to 10 says this for while we were still weak at the right time christ died for the ungodly that was you and me while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us. This is the, this is the cracker here. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, we weren't perfect. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We were enemies. 
He says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. This passage in Romans, he's saying things. He's saying, once you were enemies and now you are friends. And that transition from enemy to friend was a call of God. While we were still sinners, while we were still far off, while we were still weak, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. He says, man, if he did that, if while we were enemies, he reconciled us to God by the death, much more now that we are reconciled, we'll be saved by his life. He's saying, if when you were an enemy, Christ died for you, so much more God wants to do in your life. Now you are his friend. Jesus calls his disciples. He says, you are my friends. That's a wonderful truth. When you realize that your salvation was not dependent upon you, this is a whole theological discussion. We could probably do a Bible study or maybe we need that. But let me just tell you, you need to realize your salvation did not rest on what you did. It rested on Jesus choosing you grabbing hold of you, taking the scales off from your eyes, pouring his love into your heart, turning you from an enemy to a friend, from darkness to light. Love shines brightest in the darkest of sacrifices, in the darkest sacrifice on the cross. He laid his life down so his love could shine the brightest. And when we grasp that, that Jesus is the one who laid down his life ultimately, he paid the price for your and my salvation, for us to be called friends of God. When we grasp that, we realise that the laying down of Jesus' life means that we can live at all times in God's love. Because he has displayed his love in the most ultimate of ways. It means no matter what we're facing, No matter what the highs and lows of life are, the basis for us knowing God's love is not in something we feel or something we do or the circumstances around us. It's based in the work of the cross. Let me read you a little bit more in Romans. Romans chapter 8, 38 to 39 says, And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Did you hear what we heard earlier? The greatest love is shown when a life is laid down for others. We cannot be separated from God's love because he has displayed it in the greatest way by the death of Jesus on the cross. So I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed. That is revealed in Christ. That was revealed on the cross as Jesus laid his life down in sacrifice. He displayed the greatest of love. Jesus, let me show you the example. When you are laying down your life, You're living in God's love. Jesus says, when I laid down my life for you, my friends, I was displaying the greatest love. And so we don't have to be fearful of today or of tomorrow. 
We don't have to worry about what's going to come and what's going to go, what the future may hold, because we are forever in that love, that love that was displayed on the cross, that love where Jesus laid down his life for us. So we live in the privilege of others who laid down their lives for us, whether in the past or the very present, we live in that. We live in the reality that Jesus laid down his life for us. And so thirdly, I would say, go lay your life down. Others have laid their lives down for the privilege that we live within. Jesus laid his life down for the salvation that we live in. Thirdly, go lay your life down. Jesus said, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. I don't think we like the word commandment. In some ways, as we've learned to understand more about grace and about law and about how we're not under law, we're under grace, how we've been set free from the law, but we have received our salvation because of our unmerited favour that's poured out on us. As we understand that, we can throw a baby out with the bathwater. We can get an aversion to the idea of commandments, of being told what to do because I'm living in grace. But Jesus, the inaugurator of grace, the one who displayed it on the cross, he said this, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. He says, when you do as I tell you to do, that is the key to love. Doing life the way I tell you to do. This commandment word sounds like a book of rules or some strict thing, but Jesus is saying, I've got a way for life. I've got a way to do life. And when you live in that, when you follow that way, man, you experience love. And it wasn't just revealed in Jesus. This was woven through the Old Testament. One of the, well, it is the longest psalm. I was gonna say one of the longest psalm, but the longest psalm in the Bible. The longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. It'll take you a little while to get through it, but you can do it. You read Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is verse after verse after verse speaking about God's law, his commandments, his precepts, all these different words uh, about the law, the commandments, the precepts, the ordinances, all these words that are basically the commands of God. And every single verse goes on about this in Psalm 119. But you should read the way the psalmist talks about God's law, the way he talks about his commandments. He talks about how it brings him delight, how he loves your law, how it brings peace, how it comforts him, how, how he rejoices abundantly. Psalm 119 just keeps reveling more and more. And you read it, and I've got to be honest with you, I don't think it's fully, we fully get it. You read that and you're like, is he reading the same law I do? The psalmist grasped something. He grasped that when you do life God's way, the way the Bible tells us to, when you follow the commandments, you discover life. And Jesus said the same. He says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. He says, just as I follow my father's commandments and I remain in his love, you get to remain in his love. He said, this is the place to find love. So he says, don't, don't just think love is some airy-fairy thing. It's about obedience and a particular type of obedience. The obedience of laying down our lives. Not just in our words, not just in our texts or our Facebook posts. Our hugs, if we could hug. 
but in our deeds. John chapter 15 talks about this. The same author wrote a letter called 1 John. And in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, the same author talks about it from his own perspective in this letter and weaves so many of the same principles that he had learnt off of Jesus. He says this in 1 John 3, 16 to 18. He says, by this we know love. This is how we got to know love, he said. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. That's how we know love, John says. We know it because Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, for our community, for our friends, for our Christian brothers and sisters, for those around us. We should lay down our lives. He says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees a brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. It's almost to me like John is remembering the very words that he wrote in the gospel and saying, we got to know love because Jesus loved us he loved us by laying his life down and we need to lay our lives down too not just in words but in deeds we can't see someone in need and not reach out to help them we can't see the challenges in our society and not choose to help in a way that lays our life down we are so avert to risk we are so drawn to comfort to security to safety i don't know how many of you those who are my age will remember that amazing picture of Princess Diana when she went into the AIDS hospital and held the hand of an AIDS patient. Nobody knew at the time whether this was a disease that was communicable by touch. People wanted to keep away from those who were sick in that way. But she went in and held a hand, put her life on the line to show love. How many times do we get worried I could help them out, but that might put me in danger or that might inconvenience me or that might get in the way of life. Or that. And Jesus says, no, 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 lay down your lives. You know, some lay their lives down. Some lay their lives down. Like I said earlier, from soldiers to key workers, we see people laying their lives down. And as they do, they show this great love. But the thing that I think is tragic maybe surprising is that so many people embody god's love in their lives laid down but they themselves are not followers of god you don't have to be a christian to do good things you don't have to be a christian to lay your life down plenty of people who don't know god and don't follow him have laid their lives down and they have embodied the kingdom of god they have shown god's love in their action even though they themselves don't know the Lord but I would say I think God's intention was that those who follow Jesus would be those who would demonstrate it the most that that would be the hallmark trait that says it's the Christians who are always doing that always laying their lives down this is to be our legacy Jesus said this in verse 16 he said I appointed you to go he says, that's why I chose you. That's why I've called you friend. That's why I've poured you into my kingdom and I've poured my love upon you. That's why I took your sins upon the cross. I have appointed you to go and to go and produce 
lasting fruit. And through the generations, the Christian church around the world and in our country have gone through phases where we have shown a great legacy. It's amazing. I think we live in that right now with food banks. The, the nation is full of food banks and food banks that have been run by churches and demonstrated by churches. It's a wonderful testimony. There's more to do. There's more for our legacy. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 14, in the Passion Translation, it brings the life of more. It says this, it says, let love and kindness be the motivation behind all that you do. I don't know what job you do, whoever I'm talking to this morning. You may be in one of those obvious things. We go, yeah, I, I'm going into schools every day. I'm, I'm putting my life on the line to try and care for children. I'm sacrificing my, my you know, my, I'm putting myself at risk to educate these children. You might work in healthcare and you go, I'm doing that and praise God. But whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever your job is, even if you're not employed, whatever you do, 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let love and kindness be the motivation behind all that you do. And we've already discovered this morning, when we talk about love, we're not just talking about some feeling, we're saying that when you lay down your life, you're living in God's love. So when he says, let love and kindness be the motivation behind all that you do, he's saying, lay down your life. Let that be the motivation for everything you do. Everything you do says, it's not about me. I'm not about my own self-preservation, my own protection. I'm about laying my life down for others. Because as you do that, you embody God's love. God's character is displayed and love comes down from heaven to earth. His kingdom is made known here. So I only have three simple points. Be thankful for those who have laid down their lives. Recognize that Jesus is the ultimate example and laid his life down for us. And go lay your life down. But let me wrap up by saying this. I believe there are many people, many of you are listening this morning, who are doing that, who are laying your life down in various ways. You might be a parent and you're like, wow, this is tiring. I'm tired. You might be a parent who's just pouring out day after day, week after week, year after year. If you're a parent of young children, you're like, man, how long does this go on for? Let me tell you, someone who's got older children, when they reach 18, you don't stop pouring out for your children. It carries on. Get ready for the long run. And you might be getting tired, especially through the, the, the summer we've been through and the, and the time in lockdown previously when the children were home all the time and you were sacrificing. There's nothing like becoming a parent to discover what self-sacrifice is. And you may well be feeling tired. Maybe you're caring for someone. Maybe you're caring for someone right now and most of the day is spent trying to help someone else and you're always coming second and you're like, I'm getting tired. Maybe you are working in a hospital working in healthcare, caring for others in the front line, and it's like, man, my legs are weary. Maybe you are the bus driver, or the teacher, or the store worker, and you're like, this is going on, I'm getting tired forever, laying my life on the line. Let me say, I know that one day, we will be able to gather together as a church. That day, I'm, I'm confident will come. I'm confident the day will return when we can worship together in the church. Singing and all those things, all that, that struggle that we're going through right now, that day will pass. But you have to wonder, will the day pass where there won't be someone who's sick who needs caring for? 
or where there won't be some conflict, where some soldier somewhere will be putting their life on the line, or some sacrifice that has to be made for someone else's benefit, some toil and struggle, and you kind of think, will that ever end? Let me say, this is not the end of the story. There is a day coming. There is a day coming when all of that strife, all of that sacrifice will be done. Let me end by reading to you from Revelations. There is a day coming. Revelations 21 verses 3 to 7 describes the picture of that day coming when all of these challenges and trials will come to an end. It says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. There is a day coming where there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. He said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He said also, it is finished. Those days of putting your life on the line every day, that toil, that challenge, that struggle, there is a day coming where it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. If you're weary, if you're tired, if you're thirsty, he says, I am the spring of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. If you are tired, if you are weary from laying your life down, there may be no end in sight that you can see, but a day is coming when he will wipe every tear from eyes. All pain and sickness and strife will be gone and he will pour out the springs of living water and refresh and revive and we will inherit that eternally. When you finish laying down your life, you start living in God's love eternally. There is coming a day for those who have followed Jesus, for those who have laid their lives down, for those who have said, I'm giving it all to Jesus, where we will enter into eternal rest and his goodness and favour will be purely upon us. No sin, no sickness, no strife, no war, no conflict. Everybody basking and living in God's love, in his glory, in the praises of heaven. There is a day coming. Hang in there. God is with you now, in the moment, as you lay your life down, and he has an inheritance for you. He has a future for you. A glorious day is coming when he will wipe it all away. Draw strength from him this morning. Amen.